Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Welcome along to the Everything F1 podcast. As you can probably tell, Tiller has not suddenly went Scottish and grown a ginger beard. He is actually working and otherwise indisposed. So he's put the presenting duties onto myself. Coops, alongside me today to discuss the French Grand Prix is Tom. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. And also along with us is Emma, hello. Hi, you've got the Red Bull fan and the Mercedes fan. The, yes, the top three. Uh, no Ferrari fan, but I think they're drowning... <laughs> Their sorrows and their cornflakes are something in the background. So anyway, so we all we're here to discuss the French Grand Prix. So before we before we get into that, follow everything F1 on all social medias, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and we've also got a website at everythingf1.com. Find them all on at join EF1. So and now we get on to the French Grand Prix. So Emma, sum up the French Grand Prix in three words. Boring, bad, Leclerc. Yes. Uh, Tom, Tom did have three words. He's just put it onto the chat there, but we're not allowed to broadcast those words, or at least one of them. Uh, but I do concur. Tom, you are PG, three words uh, for the French Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going to say, oh dear, Charles. Yes. Could you turn that scream into three words, actually? <laughs> um, yeah. I can turn it into three seconds. Yes. Uh, it was... Uh, it was a very typical French Grand Prix. Uh, I might be biased. I'm not a fan of the French Grand Prix. I think it's that track. Just don't like it. I wasn't looking forward to it. And, well, it had its moments, but that was pretty much it. So, as we can all sell, uh, Charles Leclerc didn't win. It's probably all guess. He looked like he was going to go for a pretty decent race and a pretty well... Uh, pretty. It was going to be a, a strategic race. It was brewing for something later on in the last seconds. And then... Well, he binned it. So we'll go we'll go to Emma first. What did you make of that when you saw him into the, the barrier? Well, it was just a disaster and it was his fault, bless him. He was really upset about it. And then like a bit later, you think Saints is their only chance at getting some actual good points. And he did come fifth in fairness, but then they binned it with the Ferrari strategy as usual. Yes. Yeah. But if there's an opportunity for Ferrari to do something wrong, they're probably going to take it. So, Tom, uh, we'll jump back to Leclerc in a wee minute, but Saints, that strategy call, what was that all about? Oh, that's Ferrari doing Ferrari things, isn't it? I, I tell you what I don't think helped is, um, obviously, there's a delay in the broadcast. So when we heard the um, the radio message come over, say, Box and, and Leclerc was obviously overtaking, 
sort of going past a bit. And as we heard that, there's probably a good, I'd say, 30-second delay on that or something. So it probably was a bit before that. But, um, sorry, but uh, science not declared. The clothes in the bloody wall. Um, mm. There obviously was a delay in that. However, I still, you know, how many times have we seen Ferrari blow a race with strategy? And if for a while, it looked like they were starting to get on top of it or they were starting to make the right calls. But they look like a team that's forgotten how to win. And I really felt for Sainz yesterday. Although in in Ferrari's defence, what I will say is he was on the mediums. He wasn't on the hards, I believe. And imagine if he'd have tried to go all the way to the end on the mediums and he'd have suffered a puncture or a blowout or, you know, the tyre would have delaminated or something. You know, imagine what people, you know, I, I do think there's an element of it of it being sort of like damned if they did, damned if they didn't. Because imagine if that tyre had given up or, or if it had worn down enough that he lost control exactly like Leclerc did more or less um, you know people would have, would have been screaming at Ferrari either way then I don't think it's a fact that they pitted him I think it's more how they went about doing it and and and, and you know they, they said to signs you, you stay out and then he said I want to pit and then then they sort of then they sort of went oh okay and then uh, you know then decided to pit him and then there was things like they told him it was a five second stop go penalty and he said, no, 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 it's a five-second time penalty. Um, obviously, the two of which are very different. A, it shows who switched on the drivers are, even when they're racing. B, it goes to show how in net Ferrari are. Yeah, I mean, they, they should really be giving them accurate information, uh, especially when it's a five-second stop goal, just debating the rules. So if it is a five-second stop goal, it doesn't happen. Uh, it, was, it was a bizarre one. Uh, Emma, what was your take on it? Uh, especially with the the radio conversations while he's trying to overtake, I think it was the Red Bull uh, around the last third of the lap. So that had been brewing for the last third of the lap. So whenever we heard it, it was still he was still trying to overtake a car while he was being told to get in the box. Uh, what did you make of all that? Yeah, well, I, like Tom said, I think it's just got Ferrari written all over it. I mean, it seems that either. They're doing really well and the strategy is right, and then one of the drivers messes up, or Ferrari strategy messes them up, and the drivers are really annoyed with their team. Like uh, it just doesn't seem to work out for them, and it's a shame, really, because it would be good for us to see another close championship battle. And at the moment, it isn't looking like it's going to be like that. It is looking like Red Bull's just going to take it and run away with it, especially Max. And uh, yeah, I think it's a shame for for both of the Ferrari boys because they think they have the car. They've just got all these problems behind the scenes. Yeah, they've got a driver in Leclerc who, you know, has the talent, but then three times in a season where he's got a car that could win a championship, he bends it while he's first. Uh, you know, it's it's good to hear the honesty at the end of the, you know, while he's been interviewed, but you don't want to see Leclerc being interviewed, you know, 35 laps into the race. Uh, so it, it's a strange one. And the, what I found out over the weekend as well was he brought in Jacques Clear. Well, Jacques Clear's been in since last year to help Leclerc specifically with this sort of stuff. So, you know, do you think, I'll go to Tom with this one, do you think there needs to be a change in mindset from Leclerc, specifically Leclerc, not Ferrari as a team, but for Leclerc to get rid of these silly mistakes? I think part of the problem for Leclerc is he's obviously still very young and he's never won a championship. And this is the first time he's really been in a championship fight, um, you know, because because obviously when he joined Ferrari in 2019, 
in 2019, they obviously had a decent car thanks to some dubious engine um, goings mm. on. And then obviously 2020, we want to how poor that was. And then 2021 was the, was the sort of rebuild year. So this is the first year where he's come into a season in, for, in, in Ferrari or in F1 and, and been in a position where it's like, oh, okay, we can actually legitimately fight for a championship. We are one of the teams to beat. And he's gone from being sort of semi-talked about or, you know, maybe being a sort of outside chance support. It's like he got two back-to-back polls last year and somewhat dubious circumstances. He's gone from that to being at the front of the grid and fighting with the incumbent world champion. So it's easy to say that there does need to be a shift in mentality or something for, for Leclerc. But what is that shift? You know, because he held off the initial onslaught from Max yesterday. And, I mean, he overtook him, what, three times in Austria on merit, on track to win the race. He obviously has the skills. You know, he he's an F3 and F2, or I can't remember who was GP2 at the time, world champion. He's coming to one of the most prestigious seats in F1, and deservedly so. But whether he's overdriving the car or, you know, whether he just needs to, you know, perhaps ease off a little bit, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. He needs to trust himself and trust his team, or granted trusting his team seems difficult at the minute. Um, He needs to believe in his own talent and not not try and prove anything. If you look at Max's mentality last year, he was a lot more level-headed until, you know, obviously a couple of races towards the end of the season where I think desperation began to set in. And that that scream, there was a lot of exasperation in that as well. Um, so I think I think that's that's possibly the first sign that we've got that Leclerc is really, you know, really sort of not struggling, but perhaps succumbing to the pressure a bit. So you know, he just needs to just ease off a bit. Maybe the summer break will do him good. Well, I think that will depend on Hungary, which we'll get onto in a wee minute. I mean, if he does the same thing again in Hungary and we get Verstappen on another win, uh, I don't think that's uh, going to be the the summer break he wants, having a month to stew over pretty much the end of his championship. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Pierre at Red Bull. He's got the equipment, he's got the car, he's got the skills. He just doesn't have the right mindset. I think he's getting too overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, and plus you're in Ferrari. It's a different environment from any other team. Yeah, and even if they're not putting pressure on him, he's going to put pressure on himself, you know? Yeah. That's how they are, you know, they're constantly putting pressure on themselves to do the best they can. And, you know, you can imagine how annoying it is for him to do one tiny slip up and he's in the wall. And to do it three times from leading them away in a season where he's got an opportunity to win a championship. Maybe maybe this has just came to him too soon. Verstappen was there or thereabouts over the years. He's changed his driving style and he's now probably the probably the benchmark at the minute in Formula One. Uh, and he's adapted and you know, but Verstappen just it doesn't pressure doesn't seem to affect him other than he's moaning behind the radio for random stuff. So it's probably a good opportunity. We'll, we'll move over from we'll move on from Ferrari then and we'll talk a wee bit about Red Bull. So firstly let's get the bad news out of the way. Sergio Perez just really wasn't on it at all this weekend, really. Uh, it was always a few tents behind Verstappen for all practice, qualifying the race. Uh, you got fourth, but he just wasn't really there or thereabouts. What, what did you make of Perez's weekend tour? Uh, I think he'd be quite disappointed with it, to be honest, mate. Yeah. Um, he got mugged by Hamilton at the start, uh, and then 
Kevin Perez has such a good history of being the tire whisperer. He um he, he just you know he just he just couldn't seem to keep them alive or you know you know keep them fired up or keep them within their temperature or whatever it was. I think he possibly burnt them out a bit by um by chasing down Hamilton. Um and I said this I said this on, on a different podcast yesterday that I also suspect maybe Perez is not as used to the 18-inch tires because obviously they're very different and the cars this year are very different. And you know he said the best part of a decade being the tire whisperer with the old 13-inch tires. So I I suspect there's an element of that involved as well. You know, you know, he's probably still getting used to these new 18-inch wheels that we have. Um, and obviously the cars are very, very different this year. Um, but but that aside, yeah, he uh, you know he, he he got he got mugged a bit by the other Mercedes, George Russell, at the, at the safety car, uh, sorry, the virtual safety car restart, who played an absolute blinder there. Fair play. Um, you know, I think Perez was having a siesta in that cockpit, and then Russell just went yoo-hoo and then just absolutely did him. Um, so yeah, so all in all, especially given Leclerc, uh, you know, obviously retired, um, I think Red Bull will be disappointed that they didn't have a double podium yesterday. It was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, it won't be yesterday for anyone listening to the podcast when it goes out, but yeah, it was Sunday. For those listening when the podcast came out, and for anyone else watching today, it was excellent. Uh, Emma, anything to add in Perez's weekend that you noticed? Uh, no, I think Tom's hit the nail on the head there. I think that he's going to be disappointed with himself. And the fact that, you know, Mercedes don't have, you know, as good a car as them, and he's finishing behind both Mercedes drivers, I don't think they're going to be too happy about that. And, you know, they had the chance to get maximum points when their main rival has a DNF, it would have, you know, it would have been really great for them. But, you know, he he tried his best, you know, that's all he can do. But um, we'll see. I think maybe he's he's had sort of a flat last few races. I think maybe he's sort of like having a bit of a come down from Monaco and like winning. And now, uh, you know, I think the mentality, he might, you know, be running a bit low on steam at the moment. And, uh, you know, it must be hard constantly being in Max's shadow, but, you know, he has the same car and if he has the skill, then he should do just as well as him. Yeah, I think we, drivers like, you know, Bottas when he was in at Mercedes and Perez, they need to be there or thereabouts. So when Verstappen Hamilton doesn't show up, they can take it and he really wasn't. And then to be mugged, as Tom touched on from Russell, I mean, that was just not expected at all. It was weird just seeing him... It's as if he wasn't paying attention and away went George. Oh, and there's George. And then he kind of sparked into life. It was, uh, it kind of encapsulated the whole weekend, to be honest, how uh, off it he was. So we'll move on from uh, Perez. Unfortunately for any Perez fans, this really wasn't a good weekend. Race winner. And we have a, a, a self-confessed Verstappen fan on the podcast. Unfortunately, the other podcaster is uh, a Mercedes fan. But they're Certainly had a good weekend. We'll come on to them shortly. Uh, so, Tom, as the Verstappen fan on today's pod, what did you make of Verstappen this weekend? He got an easy win, effectively, because you know Leclerc handed it to him on the plate. The Ferrari was quicker in qualifying. There's no doubt about that. I think I think we would have had an enthralling battle come the latter stages of the race, anyway, between him and Leclerc, because. Uh, you know, because it did seem like the Red Bull was going to be easier on its tyres. Um, and 
I think it's almost hard to say how I've uh, sort of like how I feel Max went because any kind of threat he had was completely sort of nullified after Leclerc went out. I did wonder perhaps if we were going to have um, if we we're going to have a sort of like you know like Abu Dhabi rematch when I when I realised that it was both him and Hamilton behind the safety car, but Max just disappeared at the roads and. Uh, um, you know, and uh, and it was just you just sailed off into the sunset. He probably just turned the wick down and just brought it home. Um, we didn't see much of him, and to be honest, we didn't need to see much of him. Yeah, so so ultimately, it was a relatively easy Sunday drive, which it was you know obviously as a match kind of pleases me, but I did want to see him for the sake of the championship and for the sake of the sport. I did want to see him battling Leclerc at least. And he didn't quite get there on on the first sort of wave of of, of attacks, so um so, you know so I think I think pit strategy would have come into it definitely. It's just a shame that we were effectively denied that. Yeah, it's a shame, uh, and that was the thing that I thought of as soon as I saw Leclerc in the barrier. It was oh well, there you go, that's that then, uh, because you know Leclerc withstood as you touched on earlier, Tom. You know Leclerc withstood the initial onslaught from Verstappen. And it looked like it was going to be like that for the whole race. It's like, who's going to do what first? Who's going to do this? This is going to be quite interesting. And then Prancing Horses in the barrier and you just knew. Like, unless that not Honda, Honda power unit blows up, then, because let's face it, Verstappen isn't going to do a Leclerc and Bennett. You know, he's just not going to do it. We've seen that the last two years. He just doesn't, or last year and this year. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, and it for the front runners, it pretty much became, other than maybe that, you know, Perez Russell battle, it became pretty much a French Grand Prix, uh, which I don't think many of us were surprised at. Uh, so now, with all the dust settling, Verstappen now has a 63 point lead over Leclerc at the top of the, uh, top of the championship. I'm not sure how many races are left after this one, off the top of my head. I think we've got about 10 races left. Something like yeah, Nine. Think, nine, nine or ten. Okay, one more answer. Emma, is the championship over? Yeah. No, Tom. I'm going to say no. I don't oh. think it's over. But I said what I said one word. There you go. So so why do you think it's why do you think it's not over, Tom? Because we've still got a lot of races to go and we don't know what upgrades Ferrari are gonna bring. Last year we thought Max is gonna walk away with it and we ended up level on points going into the final race of the season. So you know, we don't know what Ferrari will bring you. We don't know what's going to happen. Last year, um, Max got um, got done by Bowl and Paul Bottas. You know, so mm-hmm. if Science decides to yeet it up the grid in similar fashion this weekend, then maybe uh, we could see something similar. Also, you know, Max, you know, Red Bull obviously had reliability issues early in the season. Max may well have to take a penalty later on. And I know Leclerc took one in Canada, but he still recovered to finish about fifth. So that gap may well close up at some point. Um, and people are saying Max has got one hand on the championship. I don't think, I think it's far too early in the season to say that. I know we're, you know, best part of halfway through the season now, but we've still got a load of races to go. And who knows what the summer break might do? You know, summer break might absolutely revitalize Leclerc. You know, might come back absolutely swinging and punching. We don't know, do we? No, I don't think Leclerc's got much of a chat. I'm not too- any other choice than to come out swinging. But the problem you have is if you have the strategy team of Ferrari have, they'll tell him to come out swinging and then tie one hand behind his back. Yeah, it's very true. So it's it's not... I think I think it's over because I, if it was Verstappen and Hamilton in the same situation, no, 
because it's Hamilton. If Hamilton was 63 points behind going into the summer break, I still would say no, because it's Hamilton. However, with Ferrari, the strategy calls, every time they're in a position to either win it, they either strategize themselves out of winning it, or Leclerc bins it. I think we're pretty much sorted. Next weekend, if Leclerc, uh, if, uh, sorry, if Red Bull get anywhere near the front and Leclerc and uh, Saints aren't with them, I think it's done. Emma, why do you think it is over? Yeah, I really do think it is over because, like you said, if it was a different driver or if it was Hamilton, then I probably wouldn't. But just because of, you know, it being Ferrari, that's his team, I just think that if it carries on the way it is, I mean, even Mercedes could catch them up. You know, that's more likely at this point that Mercedes might catch up Ferrari than Ferrari catching Red Bull because their, you know, gap difference is smaller. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened if Mercedes carry on bringing in upgrades and Ferrari keeps, you know, and their car as well, just their car in general, they have had power unit problems. You know, Carlos's brakes are set on fire. It's not just their strategy as well. Their car is, you know, a little bit unreliable. I mean, so is Red Bull's, but I would say Ferrari has had more DNFs. I don't think Red Bull have had any kind of issues for a good few races now. So Yeah, they've sorted it out. And then any time you think Ferrari are getting a bit of wind behind them, Carlos, uh, Carlos Sainz's his engine decides it's going back to Maranello without the car. Uh, uh, and funny you should mention the standards because Sergio Perez is now only three points behind Leclerc at the top of the standards now. So for a title challenge to be three, 63 points behind your rival and only three three points ahead of the second Red Bull. It's not much of a challenge, is it really, to be fair? Mm-hmm. Uh, right, okay, we'll move on from uh, from the top, guys. Let's talk about your favourites, Emma, and you can take the floor. We'll talk about Mercedes. So Mercedes had their best result of the season, and I'm not lying when I say this, second and third. Now, who would have thought that second and third would be the best result of the season for Mercedes, and we're over halfway through? So far. So far, yes, they are starting to get on top of it. You know, uh, uh, George Russell's went from Mr. Saturday to Mr. Consistent. Uh, Hamilton's just doing Hamilton things, uh, just not at the front. So, sum up Mercedes' race from Mercedes fans' perspective, Emma. What did you take over? What's your takeaways? Well, I mean, it was it was it was good to watch. Like I said, you know, the race was quite boring. I didn't. I can't really think of any overtakes that stood out from either of them. But you know, they did finish second and third and that's always good and I think it just shows the level how well George is doing that he's finishing you know either in front of Hamilton or just behind Hamilton like he's doing so well to try and match his standards and I think that even though Hamilton I know has been experimenting with the car I think maybe they're starting to sort it out now and that they're probably in a similar setup so I'm hoping that like now now that they have got maybe a little bit of a break to really like, you know, smooth out the lines that they might actually come back with a decent car and uh, maybe they can try and work on catching up Ferrari. But the race itself, like I said, I mean, I've had drives to work that were more interesting than that. And uh, <laughs> I just think that uh, I can't think, even if, if you compare it to just like Silverstone or, or Spielberg, like even the middle, the midfield, like it was, a, there was some amazing overtakes going on at Silverstone and there was amazing overtakes going on in Spielberg. And I can't think of any that stand out to me from that race. That's how much, I, I mean, I was paying attention to it. I was live tweeting at the time and I was thinking I'm going to run out of things to tweet about at this rate. Yeah, it was a, 
Uh, we have noticed it's a theme this season. If the front is kind of settled, we usually have something in the midfield and the French Grand Prix usually knows how to dampen that down. And I'm the same. Uh, if there was any overtakes, then they ended up getting it wrong in a five-second penalty. Uh, and we will touch on that, actually, because I don't need to bring that up. For me, Mercedes are where they should be. The front two, which is Ferrari just, and just uh, Red Bull, when they do something wrong, they're there to pick up the pieces. Do you think... So, this question is based on the fact that this is Hamilton. Today was Lewis Hamilton's, or yesterday was Lewis Hamilton's 300th race. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, that may be listening just now, or will listen in the podcast... No driver has won a race after they've hit 300. Quick fire, Tom, Emma, yes, no. Will Hamilton be the first one to do it? Tom, you first. No. Um, Emma? Oh, she does not look happy. For anyone listening to that podcast, she's not happy at all. Yeah, but maybe not this year. If he comes back next year and they've had time to work on the car, they've sorted out. One one word, Em, one word. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, I did pull Tom up for that one earlier. Uh, Okay, so, Tom, you were the first one to answer. Why not? Um, I think unless we have a sort of freak result like we had in Hungary last year or we had in Monza the year before, um, or Monza last year, obviously, with Danny Rick, um, it's, uh, I don't know, I just, I just think Ferrari and... Um, Ferrari and I was going to say Mercedes. That's not right. Uh, Ferrari and Red Bull have just just got a bit too much in you know just they've got a bit too much race speeds and your know, race performance. Um, having said that, I think if you know if there was like a big accident at the start, maybe one of the most could nick a victory. And if if Hamilton's going to do it anywhere, he's going to do it at Hungary because that's one of his. I think that is his most successful track. Um, yeah, he's got. I think he's got seven wins there. So if he's going to do it anyway, he's going to do it there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll do it next week. Um, but you know, you know, but I wouldn't be. You know, overall, I don't think he will. But I'm also saying I I wouldn't be hugely shocked if he did sneak a victory if some luck went his way. Uh, for anyone else listening, that's Tom talking himself out of his own opinion. Uh, well done, uh, Emma. Uh, I'll give you the chance to expand on your answer now. Why do you well, think it will happen? If we think about it happening this year, I mean, use the last race as an example. Say Max, I don't know, got a puncher or, you know, anything happened to his car. I doubt, like you said, I doubt that anything would happen and it will be his fault. But say there was a problem with the car, Lewis has won that race. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, personally, I do think Tom's right. I think Ferrari and Red Bull, you know, are switched on and off to have at least one of their drivers at the front. But next year, like I said, I think Lewis will come back and they'll have the car sorted. They'll get used to the new regulations. And hopefully he'll come back looking for that championship win. Well, if they can sort out the purpose in which they're getting on top of, then I don't, it's not that out of left field, that opinion. Uh, Personally, I think he probably will. I mean, we're going back. We're going to tracks we haven't been in a wee while. We, you know, we're going to Singapore this year. We're going back to Japan. You know, there are some interesting tracks with the new cars. Uh, but I think I'm a, I'm a bit actually. I have to kind of go with Tom. I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But I think if he did, there has to be a quite a few shenanigans uh, for it to for him to kind of drop in uh, and take it. Uh, but usually. 
if there's shenanigans, you quite like somebody like, you know, an Alcon or a, a Vettel or somebody that shouldn't be anywhere near the front or McLaren when they got their one to, you know, we want something different. We don't want shenanigans and then there's Hamilton. It's kind of like, all right, okay, fine. Oh, uh, personally. Uh, okay, uh, so we'll, we'll, we've covered the front part of the grid. Uh, I'm kind of struggling with who else to talk about. Uh, but one thing I did notice, so if I've got my facts right, Sonoda ended up retiring from damage uh, at the start. And I think if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Esteban Ocon that took a wee dive down the inside and punted him. Yep. I think it was because yep. he got a five-second penalty, didn't he? So, yeah, this yeah. is what I want to put to the panel because there wasn't much else going on. So... Ocon dies down the inside, gets it wrong, wee bit of understeer, clips the curb. Not really his fault, just one of those kind of racing incidents. To a point, it was his fault enough to give him a penalty, I suppose. Uh, Ocon gets a five-second penalty, but Sonoda, pretty much his race was done. He stayed at the back and then he ended up retiring. Do you guys, I'll go to Emma first with this one, do you guys think that the, the stewards maybe need to look at the effect of an incident rather than just going by the rule, like... You know, five seconds didn't ruin Ocon's race, really, compared to what it did to Sonoda. So what do you think? Do you think there should be something else added in? I don't know what it would be. Uh, no, no. I think it was right that you got a five-second penalty. And, you know, it could always be looked at, looked at after the race if they thought that it was that bad an incident. But I don't think it was. And I know that he did get his initial damage from that, you know, contact, but it might have gotten worse throughout the race for other reasons, not just because of that, you know, initial contact. So it is unfortunate for Sonoda, but um, at least his teammate, Pierre, he actually managed to cross the line at his home Grand Prix, which was good because he's been taking out a few cars in, in previous races, like Vettel. Um, but yeah, I think it was a shame for Arcon, but they both, I'm pretty certain both uh, Alpine cars both finished in the points. So, I mean, that's good for him at his home Grand Prix. It didn't affect him, you know, that much. I don't think he's ever scored points in French Grand Prix. Well, maybe this was... I'm sure. I'm pretty certain but, that McLaren and Alpine both got double points. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tom? Do you think, from my perspective, Sonoda ended up out of the race, Ocon ended up in the points with a with an issue that Ocon caused? Would he, do you think there should be more to it? Or am I just complicating matters? No, I can absolutely see where you're coming from. And I do think there should be an element of this because we've seen it a few times where drivers have had collisions with other drivers and one driver's been forced to retire um, and the other driver's gone on to have, you know, gone on to have a relatively decent race or, you know, or sometimes even better. The problem is it, you, this is where you start getting into that grey area where you can't you can't put penalties on a sliding scale and say, okay, well, so and so lost four places, so we're going to give you a, you know, that you can't say it'll be like five, five seconds per place, or that that they've lost or something like that. Um, it's a difficult one because it's it's one of the inherent risks of going motor racing, and this scenario actually in particular, I really felt for him because he gave Ocon more than enough space. And Ocon just clipped that inside curve, which just unsettled the car. Yeah, and, and as you him... know, as you know, this year those the cars don't like the cups at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you know, we saw it was just a relatively light touch on the curve, but 
it left you know they're facing the wrong way. And I saw when he when he retired, his engineer was on it was on his left side body. There was this flap of bodywork that was coming up, and you know it was sort of coming up like that. And he just just couldn't just couldn't get it to stick. And you know it was just it was you know it's just it was always going to be terminal that. Um, Are you telling me that Alpha Tauri didn't have any gaffer tape to stick that down? Uh, well, it's not the rear wing, mate. So it's uh, uh, it's, it's a different different body part. You know, uh, yeah. you know. I, I think on the I think I think on the um I think on the side pods they use Gorilla Glue. Um, oh, they must have run out. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, 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 the, it's a budget cut, mate. It's a budget. Uh, Ferrari has had tape on its side pod before this year. Oh, oh. Well, we need we need we need email Ferrari see if you can get some of it. <laughs> but I was going to say they're not allowed gorillas in the French Grand Prix because they didn't have the gorilla trophy this year either, which I think was it Emma that was really not happy about that. Uh, I think it was Elise, but I mean, I'm really unhappy yeah, about it. It's the, only, it's the only thing that's good about the French Grand Prix. That well, that, awesome. well, that and when it's done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, actually yeah. pretty certain it's their um, last year, isn't it? On I, yes. I, I heard that on the coverage, yeah. So, yeah, so I wonder if yeah, they're going gonna... to... It's never been officially mentioned, but for whatever reason, from pretty much the whole year, the French Grand Prix's not there. And then... I did see on Twitter over the weekend it was a kind of Italian broadcast. They highlighted like it's the last year of the French Grand Prix, but I could never find the translation to actually figure out if it is. I mean, it's a loss to Formula One. <laughs> Sorry, I nearly, nearly managed to say that with a straight face. Yeah, I think from from what I've heard, that's the French Grand Prix is going to let Las Vegas in. Is basically what I've pretty much heard. And Spa, I think, is on the bubble for whatever reason. Uh, they should get rid of Monaco, but then that's my own opinion. Okay. Let's not get into that. Yeah, oh, so that's a conversation for the for the summer break, I think. So, guys, before we move on to quickly go over the Hungarian Grand Prix, Emma, anything else you want to talk about? I know it was a pretty difficult race for any talking points, but anything that you've seen, heard of, any team you want to mention? Honestly, no. I think the only the only thing I can think of is that I think this is the first race in like three or two races that um, none of the Haas drivers have got um, points. Which was unfortunate. I'm pretty certain one of them retired. Did Magnussen yeah, retire? Yeah, Magnussen, Magnussen retired. I this haven't. Is the problem with Sky is that they're they're constantly talking about the battle at the front and what's going on in the front, and then next thing you know, there's like five DNFs, and you're like, hold yeah. on a minute, when did they happen? Yeah, but, but Magnus, Magnus is good at the retirements. Remember Monaco where we didn't even realise he was out. He was out the car before we even realised he stopped. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he's good at that. And same with um, I think it was Joe Guanyu's. Oh, did they say it was his fifth? Fifth retirement this year. It's, it's really not like looking that. great for him. It's, yeah, it's power unit reliability. It's just not there. Yeah. Was it was it a power unit issue for Joe? I'm know? pretty certain uh, it was. Yeah, or it was certainly something mechanical or what it have you. It seems to happen a lot more to him than Bottas, though. Don't you think that's a bit sus? Oh, that's tinfoil hat. We're going there, Emma. That's a sticky road, that one. <laughs> The uh, Hamilton fans from 2016 will be coming out and having words with that one. Yeah, there was a few retirements. Joe actually got classified, although he was six laps down. So technically there was only four retirements, which if I remember off the top of my head was Sonoda, Leclerc, Magnussen, and there was somebody else. And I've lost it. Joe, Leclerc, Magnussen. This is, this is how Latifi. forgettable that race was. Yeah, I can't remember who... Didn't even finish it. Well, it was Latifi that retired, but we expect that most races <laughs> anyway. So, you know, that's probably why we forgot. Okay, Tom, anything that you can kick out from the most exciting race of the season? No, I'm glad it's done, mate. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much the same. Okay, 
So, everybody listening to the podcast uh, and watching just now can be delighted to hear that's that's discussed the French Grand Prix. (laughs) Hopefully the discussion of the French Grand Prix was more exciting than the race. We'll move on to the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is this weekend. Woohoo. So we'll go into, we'll quickly get the stats done. It's the Hungarian Grand Prix. It is, the first race was 1986. The lap distance is 4.381 kilometres. Number of laps of the race is 70. So the race distance is 306.63 kilometres. The lap record is held by Sir Lewis Hamilton with a 116.627 in 2020. So, who will I go to first? We'll go to Emma. Hungarian Grand Prix, Hungary, Hungaro Ring. Where does that rank in your kind of mental rankings and tracks over the years? Uh, it's probably in between halfway and the top because I do think that has been good racing there and because it has got some really tight turns as well that I think it's interesting to see, you know, if there's a car that is fast on the straights, you know, they can struggle with this track. So, I mean, that'll be interesting to see because I think... Ferrari have quite good pace uh, on the straights and then Red Bull have quite good pace going through turns if I've got that the right way around. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. It's one that I tend to enjoy. I definitely don't look at it the same way I look at the French Grand Prix. So um, we'll see. Tom, where does this rank for you? I quite like it, but I've got um, I've got a bit of an affiliation to it because I was there in 2016 in the GP3 paddock because my friend was racing in GP3. You know, so it's uh, you know, you know, I got I look at it a bit through racing spectacles. Racing's either off the wall insane or dull as dishwater. Yes, it's not good. The nickname is Monaco without the barriers for a reason. It's exactly. it's it was good last year. No one expected to see Esti Besti on the podium. Well, that was because Valtteri Bottas forgot it was he was driving a Formula One car, thought he could ten pin bowling. I mean, yeah, he forgot has a break. Yeah, so that that killed about five cars and. Verstappen was driving around with about two-thirds of his car still on the track somewhere. So, yeah, I think Emma's kind of hinted there that if you want a good race, you need shenanigans. And with the tight corners, that start into the tight left-hander usually does bring out certain shenanigans. Uh, last year was the infamous start when you had Hamilton on the grid on his own when everybody dived into the pits to get their uh, their enters off onto their, their slicks, which pretty much ruined Hamilton's race, to be fair. I don't think we're going to see that this year. I haven't seen the, the weather reports. There's not really much else that's going on that I can see news-wise with the Hungaro ring. So what we'll do is we'll just jump over to the expectations for the race. So, Tom, we'll go with you. What are you thinking? What are you looking at? What do you think is going to happen? I think it's going to be quite a dull race, to be honest. I think uh, I, I think it's going to be one in the pit stops. We might get someone getting a bit ballsy down into turn one, but I don't think it's going to be the battle-to-battle, wheel-to-wheel race that people are hoping for and that people were longing for after the race we had last year. Yes. I mean, that should, that'll should go over the same with the French Grand Prix. You know, last year we actually had an exciting one. This year it's back to form. So I think probably it'll be pretty similar. Emma, what about you? Um, I'm just looking at the weather. We might have an interesting quality because on Saturday it's 70% chance of rain and lightning. Nice. Yeah. And then 40 on Sunday. Well, that would probably yeah. drop down. But, you know, it could be interesting, especially if it rains. That would make it that little bit more exciting. Yeah. So. And it is an old school track. You do have a lot more kind of grass around the sides. The barriers are relatively close to the track. So put a, put a wheel on the white line there. It'll be interesting 
to see Joe Guanyu because I know he's obviously raced there before, but I think it is a track that the veterans tend to do better at, you know, with Lewis being, you know, the one with the records there. And uh, I think Seb does well there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he did have technically second before he was disqualified last year. That's what I mean. Okay, so top three, Tom, who is going to be your podium for the end of the race on Sunday afternoon? Uh, I think it's going to be Max, Charles and Hamilton. Okay, Emma? You just stole my, my predictions. They are my predictions 110%. So we're going to go with Max, Charles and Hammy for the top three. Okay, I will go... See, my head is agreeing with you, but I'm just going to go with my heart because I don't want this season to be championship to be over. So I'm going to say it's Leclerc, Hamilton and Verstappen just so we can keep the championship not dead. You know, it's on ICU just now, you know, where they're thinking about turning it off. You know, I want I want it to keep it going. But then I think we were spoiled last season when it going right into the last, uh, right down to the last lap and the last corner almost. But then we don't have Massey in the the seat so that's probably why it's not as good maybe let's let's not talk about that you know it kept interesting throughout the off season okay we'll move on so i think that's pretty much it not really much else to talk about before we go any news articles emma tom that you may have stumbled across in the last few hours or so that may have you know might be of interest not really i did just want to touch on um Nick DeFries, I didn't actually watch him in free practice, but I wondered what, if I don't, did anyone watch him here? Uh, well, I was working, so I didn't get a chance to see him. What were you, Tom? I saw the highlights. He was he was looking pre- he was looking pretty pacey in that murk, given he's not used to it. So yeah, he was uh he was looking all right to be fair. Um, doing himself contention into contention from Williams seat for next year. Who knows? Yeah, he was uh didn't do himself any harm. I think is the best way to put it. And that's. Pretty much what you want when you've got FP1. Don't ban it and just don't do yourself any harm. Uh, for me, a couple of things that I thought were interesting, and actually you touched on it there, the Williams seat, which a few weeks ago looked to be nailed on to be Piastri, and that seems to have killed when everything's gone very quiet. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just because they're kind of stagnating around the back again that it's causing that issue. But the interesting one that I did see was there was an article that I read talking about Hamilton's retirement. Now, Total Wolf, I don't know if this was a bit of sarcasm, but he did talk about the next five to ten years that Hamilton will stay in Formula One. Whereas Lewis has actually said that, you know, he's not looking to retire soon, but he certainly won't be there when he hits 40. So, Emma, you're the Mercedes fan. Do you think that his contract ends next year? Yep. Do you think he'll sign another one? I think maybe another three years. And then I think he's going to call it a day. I don't think he'll stay. How old is he? He's 37. I don't think he'll stay any longer than Nando will. I think, and I think Alonso will leave like pretty soon. And I think once he hits 40, Lewis that is, I think he'll probably think, because he's got, let's be honest, he does have quite a lot going on outside of Formula One. You know, out of a lot of the drivers, you know, he's interested in like fashion and music and all of that. You know, Mm -hmm. he might want to concentrate on that. But at the same time, I do think he really wants that eight championship. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of Mercedes fans do. His, his whole, like, ethos is, like, you know, still we rise. So he's not just going to give up. I think he's going to... If he doesn't win next year, then I think maybe he'd do another one or two years. That's my um, thoughts. I wouldn't be surprised if he calls it a day after this year, um, to be honest. 
you know, he, you know, like Em said, he's he's got an awful lot of interests outside of um, you know, outside of F one. You know, he does a lot with fashion and music and you know, activism and you know, various different avenues. I doubt that he'll probably want to go for the eight, but I wonder if after Abu Dhabi and everything last year, I wonder if he's almost a bit sort of resigned to it might not happen. It depends how you know, you know, but also we don't know how, um, yeah, how. Mercedes development is going here. He might be looking at the development for next year. I might be thinking, okay, well, you know, next year we could be making an absolute banger. But I, but I just think in terms of you know, he's been in the sport for you know 15, 16 years. He's achieved so much, and he does an awful lot outside of F one. That um, yeah, you know, I wonder if he's going to start using his voice for for other means. Yeah, I think you know he's another one of those ones where I wouldn't be surprised if he goes this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he extends it. I don't think he'll leave before the end of his contract. I think if he's going to go, he'll honour it just purely because of the the you know the connection and the relationship with Total. I don't think he'll just turn up and do a Rosberg and say I'm done. I think he'll honour next year. Uh, if he doesn't win a race this season, that might be a big thing because he does like having those records as much as he doesn't really talk about them. Any driver enjoys those records and. For anyone who doesn't know, Hamilton has won a race every year he's been in Formula One. Even the 2009 McLaren, which was a bit of a dog. Uh, you know, he still managed to scratch out a win in that car. So I think if he loses that, he might seriously consider not extending past next year. But then you've also got a really weird situation where next year you could see Hamilton, Ricardo, and Vettel all retiring or leaving Formula One all at one time. I was going to say that. I think Seb's going to go before him. If, if Seb stays, it's one year. Yeah, because he said over and over again that he does not want to be fighting for points. He wants to be fighting for wins, and he's barely getting in the points. Yeah. Yeah, and Hamilton has quoted as saying similar to Vettel that he's not going to do what Kimi Raikkonen did and just be there for the yeah. sake of it. If he's not up the front. So, you know, he might give he might give Mercedes next year because that's when his contract finishes. If he didn't say, look, this is it. And if he's up the front fighting with Ferrari or up the front with, it could be Mercedes-Ferrari, it could be Mercedes-Red Bull-Ferrari, and they're up there fighting for wins, then he might go, like, give me two more years. You know, give me a contract till I'm 40. When I hit 40, I'll go. I think it will depend. I think Emma's right. I think it's going to depend on next year's car, whether he decides to extend. If he's down, doing what he's doing this year, Hamilton won't stand that. Hamilton will just think, Do you know what, I'm by. And I think Tom's right. I think the Abu Dhabi, and I thought the exact same. You know, everybody that knows Formula One and probably doesn't know Formula One knew what happened at the end of Abu Dhabi. And I just thought to myself, he's never going to get his eight. I don't know what it was. It was just the way things worked out, the way things that happened and how it happened. It just just made you think, ah, he's not going to get it. And then, of course, Mercedes car just didn't, hasn't performed. Yeah. There's a very good point about Abu Dhabi. It just feels like that result is the one with you know, that statistic or that record is the one which is just not going to be you know when, when you look back there's very much an element of, of it feeling like a, the, the one that got away kind of thing you know that's that's a very 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 good point actually mate. yeah it just uh, you know there's that there's you can always have hindsight and you look back and say when did this what was the one thing that either did a or b and for me abu dhabi was the thing that stopped him getting it now, next year he could get it, and I'd be like, fantastic. But to me, that's the thing. And for someone to come back from that to then still want to perform, 
I would I wasn't surprised I wouldn't have been surprised if he walked away at the end of last year. I'd just like to know what I'm done. Had a four letter word and you know, get I'm away. But you know, and that's what annoyed me about Hamilton, like the the fans when he took that time off social media and shut himself down. You know, like we all would. Come on. Uh, I don't know why we've ended up back at the Abu Dhabi thing, but anyway, <laughs> I think that kind of wraps us up for today's podcast. So the only thing for me to do before I go, uh, get subscribing if you enjoyed our chat. We are Everything F1. If you like what you have, get subscribing, put, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are on all the socials, including TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JoinEF1. We have a shiny website with all our articles that are written by all our team, including Emma and Tom, who put some stuff on there, at everythingf1.com. So the last thing for me to do is just say cheerio to both Tom and Emma. Thank you very much for coming along, Tom. Thank you, my friend. Uh, yes, and to you as well, Emma. Thank you for having me. No, to bother. So uh, that we are Everything F1. Join us next week where we cover the Hungarian Grand Prix. Take care. See you later.